The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria, and Trichonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it was written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Comfort your people, O God. Speak to us of your peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The sense of deja vu lately has been horrendous. In Advent of 2012, soon after I arrived here at Trinity, I rewrote my December 16th sermon after the December 14th Newtown school shootings. I decided that weekend that I would not climb up into this pulpit on a Sunday morning after something so horrible has happened without talking about it and praying about it with you without giving us space to grieve together. But then the shootings just kept happening. They became more commonplace than ever, it seemed. Many got by me unnoticed. Most I simply chose not to preach about because it feels like we are already bombarded in the news and on social media with images and articles and discussions of shootings. We cannot escape hearing about how people keep on picking up guns and taking away lives. The shooting in California this week was the second mass shooting in this country that day. If we define a mass shooting as the killing of at least four people at one time, that was the 355th shooting in the United States of 2015. Last year at this time, the Black Lives Matter movement had moved to center stage in the aftermath of the deaths of Michael Brown and Eric Garner. As we still are today, we were struggling during that Advent season with how to engage the Black Lives Matter movement and how to be a force of change in a world where people of color are too often approached with suspicion and disrespect where too often a black mother cannot be confident that her children are safe when they leave the house, and too often our call to respect the dignity of every human being gets neglected. So that's what we were talking about last year when John the Baptist showed up 
as our guide through Advent. John the Baptist, who was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, that someone would come to prepare the way for the Lord and that this someone would be a voice crying out in the wilderness. John is here with us again today. A voice crying out in the wilderness. He comes every year just when we wish we could sing a Christmas carol rather than having to look at how broken we are. How lost in the wilderness humanity still is. I think John the Baptist is forcing us to see our perpetual need for Christ to be born in us yet again. Always, always, we need more love and more healing and more light in this world, which is perhaps why God made the ridiculous decision to get born on earth as a vulnerable, limited, woundable human being. And miraculously, it worked. Jesus' life and presence has affected change and healing and the expansion of love for 2,000 years. Not perfectly, and not without many small and large mistakes, misunderstandings, and missteps. But when it all comes out in the wash, I believe we are far better off than we were before that first Christmas. And I believe we need to keep making room for Christmas, for the birth of divine love into the midst of humanity, especially when humanity seems so desperately in need of it. That first reading today said it well. We need to keep taking off the garment of our sorrow and affliction and keep putting on the beauty of the glory of God. To do that, I think we need to up the ante in our prayer lives. Now, I've seen, seen and heard many sound bites in the aftermath of the violence of this week that point to our need to do more than pray. And I agree. But without prayer, our actions and words can be feeble and unanchored, unexamined, more about our opinions and less about God's glory. So let's talk a bit about prayer. Deep, personal, unceasing prayer. The monastics understand the kind of prayer I'm talking about. Many devout Muslims do too, as they stop five times a day to roll out a mat and face Mecca and kneel down in the presence of Allah. I have met people of all major faith systems who are serious prayers, prayer warriors, really. People for whom prayer is like breath. They do it all the time because they know it makes a difference. The reason I want to focus our energy today on deep, unceasing prayer is this. I do not believe that we, as individuals, can turn our attention to a God of love. And I do mean a God of love, not a God of self-chosen people or a God of vengeance or a God of preferential treatment. 
I do not think that we can turn our attention to a God of love over and over again each day and walk away unchanged by love through that practice. I do not think we can open ourselves up to a God who made everyone and continue to see anyone as less beloved than us. I do not think we can harbor hate when we are intentionally aware of the presence of the source of love. I do not think we can continue to fear the other when we let God show us that there is no such thing as the other. I do not think we can stay blind to our own faults when we make a point to courageously open our eyes to the truth. I do not think we can put ourselves in the presence of the Prince of Peace and want anything other than to be a part of that peace. Now, when it comes to prayer, all of us get stuck sometimes. We don't know what to do, what to say, where to go. But here's the thing. We don't necessarily need to do or say anything or go anywhere in particular for prayer to happen. Many of the moments in my life when I have felt God most clearly, most closely, have been moments when I was simply, intentionally, quiet and open. Not necessarily in a quiet place. Those are hard to come by, especially with a four-year-old and a seven-year-old in the house. (laughs) Just quiet inside. When I am quiet and open on the inside, I overhear beautiful conversations between my children. When I am quiet and open, I hear God's voice reframing whatever I have been thinking about in the lyrics of a song on the radio. When I am quiet and open, I hear pain in the life of someone who I've just been arguing with or judging or complaining about, and compassion happens. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, I forget to be quiet and open, but the other day I reminded myself to listen for whatever we might need right now in the midst of all the bad news. I reminded myself throughout the afternoon to keep being open and quiet as I moved through my day, and I kept hearing that we need the good news. There is so much good news. You know that and I know that. And we could sit around and tell each other about the good news for the rest of the day. But I felt like the good news that we need is bigger than our everyday good news. It would have to be to stand up to the grandeur of the bad news that we've been hearing. And so I kept listening listening for the big good news. And I listened for it as I got in my car, and I turned the key. And you see, I'd been listening to a CD that I'd taken out of the library, Christmas carols from the TV show Glee. Sorry, Robert. (laughs) And as the car turned on, I heard this angelic voice singing, Oh, Holy Night. Rachel Berry, the gorgeous Jewish diva of Glee, sang these words. Truly, he taught us to love one another. 
His law is love. And his gospel is peace. His law is love. And his gospel, his good news, God's good news, is peace. It's peace. If peace is God's good news, then peace must be possible. John the Baptist, the voice in the wilderness, came to tell us that the good news of peace is on his way. Not peace for some, but peace for all. Help is on the way, not for some, for all. Peace comes at Christmas as a baby. But peace also comes into this world as a revolutionary to put an end to the human pain that causes us to be afraid and causes us to hurt one another. Peace is coming again to put an end to all of that. Let's let him begin with us. Let's let him under our skin And into our thoughts, into our hearing, into our seeing, into our breath. Let's let him into our hearts, where in us and through us the seed of his love can grow and eradicate the bad news from this world forever.